Paul, I hit record. We're going right in. All right, cool. We understand, or you told me today, we have one of our friends who's now become a listener of the podcast, Mr. Jason. We'll, yes. We'll, yeah. We won't tell us tell his last name. We'll keep it as we always try to. But Jason is now a listener of the podcast. Yeah. A shout out to Jason. When, when he when he hears this uh, this episode, he's going to have a real chuckle when he hears this. Well, the thing that that uh, concerns me though is that um, here's someone, a close friend of ours, we've known what twenty five years now that wasn't listening to the podcast. Yeah, I think we might have guilted him into listening for uh, listening to our episodes here. It's it's a long time coming. Uh, well, you've been doing, we've talked about this for well over two years now, if yeah. not almost three years. It's been two, May 2019 I started. Yeah, and I thought I was late to the game in, in listening to your uh, your early episodes that you had done with Simon. Yeah, um, and all it took was a drive to Sudbury or Thunder Bay, yeah, and you rattled yeah, off 20 episodes. Nothing like a seven-hour drive that uh, allows you to bang off about seven or eight episodes in right. a row. Uh, so yeah, that worked out really well. Um, so I'm very glad that Jason is now one of uh, among the ranks of our avid listeners. Well, I don't know if he deserves a shout out after waiting for so long to listen, but we're glad to have you aboard, Jason. Yeah. Paul, it's been a while since we've actually sat down and done an episode, almost a month now. So apologies to the listeners who've who've been waiting for the weekly to bi-weekly episode distribution. We we've we got some vacations out of the way. We had weirdly busy Septembers that have flown by and here we are. On what I believe is actually International Podcaster Day. Really? I did not know that. You might just want to double check that. But yeah, to your point, it, it's uh, it's incredible how fast a month goes by. Yeah, it's today, uh, International Podcast oh, Day. Oh, wow. How about that? Well, then how September appropriate 30th. it is. I, did you know that coming into today when we had uh, scheduled to, to meet today for uh, for recording? I knew before I got here because I was looking at something... I have a couple Twitter people I follow that are podcaster develop like creators or consultants, and uh, I saw that it said it was International Podcast Day. So, well, then I did it's, know it's very very appropriate that we are recording on International Podcast Day. I so agree. There you go. Okay, uh, we're gonna but, jump. No, sorry, you want to say something? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. September was a oddly busy month, but uh, yeah, glad to be back recording our, our episodes. Uh, we're going to try to make this a little bit more of a regular uh, thing, at least every other week. We try to do a recording uh, yeah. and try not to have these gaps. So uh, to our listeners, don't worry. This is, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep them coming. Okay. So we got three things we're going to talk about today. Super fans. And f- how do I describe them? I guess super fans are those people that you will see at certain teams, sporting venues that are most most of the time or mostly every game, they might be dressed a certain way. They become recognized as a part of the team almost. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about nicknames. And this is one that I have been thinking about for quite a while now is when you call somebody big guy or chief or champ or mate like, how do you feel about that if somebody calls you one of those things? And do you do you use that terminology with, with people? And then I want to talk about a men's health-related issue, something that uh, I was thinking about on the, on the drive over here that has actually been bothering me for a while. And I, I maybe want to use this time together, Paul, as a, maybe to sit in the 
sit in the the chair and and have a chance to to air some of my concerns. And then we're going to finish up with a what we're watching, what we're listening to, or reading, or whatever it is. So why don't we jump into the super fans thing? I, the the super fans. I didn't really set out to even consider calling it a super fan episode or segment, but what got me thinking about this was my wife and I went down to the Blue Jays home opener, which because of COVID took place a lot later than normally it would because the Blue Jays were playing between two, three different venues in Florida, Buffalo, and finally in Toronto. And so they had a ceremony in July for the home opener. And they honored a few people. They honored some first responders and people that were associated with the medical field for COVID. And they also honored Home Plate Lady. And for those of you that don't know who Home Plate Lady is, she sits behind the directly behind Home Plate at the Rogers Center where the Toronto Blue Jays play. So she attends many games, not all, but many. And she's someone who's been going to games now for at least 12, 13 years. And I just started thinking about this woman that she's probably in her 70s. She's been attending many games for for 12 years. And I got to thinking about her. And then we talked about this. And you mentioned the Raptors super fan. And it just got me thinking about this whole topic of super fans in general, that, you know, these people somehow become super fans. I don't know if they set out to be, but that's what I wanted to talk about today. You've done some research. I have, yeah. So let's talk about super fans. Yeah, I think another way... Is that the right word for them even? Well, I was just going to say another word that you can maybe use to describe them would be notable or, or famous fans. Uh, when you bring up or the... Or like Jack Nicholson at Yeah, I was just going to say Lakers that, you know, when, when you think about quote-unquote famous fans... And and that's Clark cracking open another beer. So if he starts slurring his words, you'll know why. Uh, so yeah, when you when you think about, I think it's famous fans. You got Jack Nicholson at the Lakers games wearing his sunglasses. Um, we got Spike Lee. I think he goes to the Knicks games. Uh, I think Rudy Giuliani used to be quite the presence at uh, at New York Yankee games. Right. And we're looking at it here from a Toronto perspective. I, I don't know if there's any super fans at the Leafs. I, there probably is. But well, there we, were those guys, people that dressed up in those sort of green, like tight green spandex suits where they would. Yeah. I think they were in Toronto. Yeah, it's a bit different for hockey because, you know, hockey, the fans are, are certainly separated a little bit from the game because you're behind glass. With basketball, obviously, courtside seats, fans are. are are pretty much on display. Um, we all know, well, any Raptors fans can obviously uh, spot when Drake is at Raptors games. Right. And, and the, the reason why... Yeah, Drake well, is a common fixture at yeah. Raptors games. But yeah, the reason why you bring up the home plate lady and, and to any Blue Jays fans out there, certainly I would think that they would probably know who who we're talking about. Whenever you watch a Jays broadcast, her season tickets are literally right behind home plate. Mm -hmm. So she is, you see her on TV every single night. So if she's at the game, you see her. Yeah. I should point out, she's not at every game. No. But she's there most of the time. She was there last night. 
I think the reason why she became famous and <laughs> amongst Blue Jay fans is because I think it was about three or four years ago, um, there was a, a, a foul ball, like a, a foul um, pitch that was hit back. Oh, and, right. And it was hit back in it in, in it into the screen in, into the into the screen right behind home plate. So, if you're sitting in those seats, it would be like having a hundred mile an hour fastball coming right at your head. Right. And this woman didn't even flinch. That's right. Like most yeah. people, you could see them on TV. Everyone's kind of flinching. She was like ice cold. And ever since that moment, it's like, who is this? Who is this home plate lady? Yeah. So I I did a little bit of research here, and okay. there's there's a little bit of mystery surrounding her in that. Um, they have, I believe it was a, one of the uh, the sports uh, news outlets tried to interview her, and she didn't want her name being known. She wants to remain completely I anonymous. do understand yeah. she's a f- very private woman. Yeah. Because about 10 years ago, there was some talk of them trying to identify her, and she was apparently not interested. Yeah. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So it's interesting that they brought her out into the field for the game that you went to a couple months back and they introduced her as the home plate yes. lady and they, nobody knows her name and she doesn't want people to know her. Right. Name. She doesn't want the notoriety. She doesn't want to be famous. Um, and it's interesting. Uh, you'll be interested to know that a lot of fans have created fake Twitter accounts for her. <laughs> fake Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Accounts. Yeah. It's strange. So the, if you go on, on Twitter, you will find home plate lady, but it's not actually her. Huh? She needs so if she does decide to do one, it'll be called the real home plate lady. Yeah, yeah. So, gee, the the real Donald Trump. Yeah, where have you heard that? <laughs> uh, so yeah. So it, do you know her name? Like, does your no, research no, get her name is, somewhere? Well, I I tried to do some research, but there is no mention of her name whatsoever. Uh, it does say that she's been a season ticket holder since at least around two thousand five. Okay. So yeah, over well, fifteen years. Yeah, that's about right. Um, but yeah, she, you're right. She's just a very private woman. She's just someone that has probably the best seats in the house and she's a, a fixture there at the, at the Blue Jays games, but. Well, okay. So the, the thing, and I know you will get back to your research in a second, but the thing about this woman that I was thinking is you're right. It seems she's a very private person and I had to think she just was sitting at home one day and clearly she must have some amount of wealth because these tickets to sit behind home plate, I think are somewhere in the thousand dollar a ticket range because she's literally there. They're called the, in the action seats. Yeah. And I think they're around a thousand bucks for ticket. Uh, I don't know if they're quite that much, at least Maybe it's five, four to $500. Okay. But yes, you're right. They would be very expensive seats to get. They're so I imagine literally she, the best seats in the house. Right. So I imagine she said it to her husband who she did go to the games with in the beginning. Cause I remember she would sit there with an older gentleman, like who looked like about her age and after a couple of years, he disappeared, and sadly, I think he, that's because he passed away. But, um, what was I going to say? This is why I want to talk about that third topic, by the way. No, I bet the, the investment for the season Oh, tickets. so she probably turned to her husband and said, you know, we're big Blue Jay fans. She might have even had tickets somewhere else in the stadium and said, I, I want to sit behind home plate. Can we can we buy season tickets? And somehow she was able to get them and suddenly started going to games and, and away she went. And then flash forward 12, 15 years later, she's now this fixture, this this person. And I I asked, like you said, she's private, which we, we know. Like, is she pissed off? Like, shit, I just want to go see Blue Jay games. And now that I'm sitting on a field being honored by 40,000 people, like, 
leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> I just want to watch Blue Jay games. Yeah, I'd be interested to know, like, do people come up to her and ask for autographs or ask for selfies? I bet they do. Yeah, they probably do. It's Especially like, hey, these days. Yeah. In this day and age. Yeah. yeah. I bet you they, there are people that ask her for an autograph. I, I, I would be willing to bet that's the case. Yeah. At the very least, selfies, for sure. It's like, hey, look who I met at the Jays game. The home plate lady. So I've been to a few games where I see her come. She, she usually comes about an hour before the game starts and they bring her in on a like a golf cart okay from left field they 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 drive her in the person who does like the concessions area there's a dedicated concessions person that brings the food to this people in the seats they they hug they kiss they embrace Uh, clearly like she's known and and probably beloved in that in that section by the staff so um anyway what what other research did you have on her that you wanted to share or is there any more? I don't think there is anything else on her. As I said, the the, the information is very limited. Obviously, she's a very private person. If Home Plate Lady um, had a name, what do you think it would be? Myrtle. Bev. Gertrude. Uh, Gertrude. Yeah, I can picture that. Beverly. Beverly, yes. Let's yeah. go with Beverly. Beverly. Yeah. Beverly yeah. the Home Plate Lady. Beverly the Home Plate Lady. There we go. Um, well, while we're on the topics of superfans, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Raptors superfan who is a man who is very well known to Raptors fans. And yes. here's a guy who not does. Drake. Yeah, not Drake. Here's a guy who does like the, like the, the attention uh, gentleman by the name of Nav Batia. Uh, he has been a season ticket holder since the Raptors inception, which was 1995. And he has never missed a game and he has never shown up late or left early, but you didn't know that. I didn't. So he is truly the... Uh, I didn't know he was a fan since 95, either. Yeah, yeah. So in, I think he he was a guy that bought season tickets uh, in near near one of the end zones. So whenever the Raptors or another team makes a basket, he's typically on TV. You see yeah. him. And, you know, he's a East Indian fellow and we're, we're in a turban. So he, he kind of... I guess to a lot of fans, he kind of stuck out. Does and, he, he wears like a Raptors jersey too, Oh, yeah. He? he always wears a Raptors jersey and he's very animated. And he's one of those guys that During just, the game? Yes, he is. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that just over the years, people have come to, to know him and, and uh, he, he's gained more and more uh, notoriety to the point where he's, he's a, a true celebrity at this point, which is quite remarkable. Um, Do we know when he became recognized like i think it was a gradual thing because 95 yeah. i mean i don't like, remember super fan that 20, that, that yeah, guy being five full years like that is a long time yeah and i don't think his real notoriety started more than maybe five or six years ago yeah maybe a, bit a longer bit longer yeah okay. but he's um but it in, didn't in, happen in this case, he he owns a couple of car dealerships so for him he probably probably wants the notoriety because it likely helps his business are they uh, used car dealerships no no they're 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 new cars uh he owns a couple of hyundai dealerships so he he is a very successful businessman you know to 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 drive home the point of him being the ultimate super fan of the raptors uh as i said he he knows all of the players and coaches he has personal relationships with a lot of the, the players yeah you know he's um He's been to quite a few like weddings of, of some of the players, ex players. Okay, this is okay. So um, there, here's this. I want to ask this question then. So he's a, a season ticket holder. 
1995. He's, yes, he's a season ticket holder that has somehow evolved into being almost an he's almost an employee of the team and a friend of the and, and a friend players of, of the of the players. So, okay, so here's my question: If you have enough financial means and you put the time that's involved, i.e., going to every single game, could could anyone become a super fan? and become, like, friends with players on the team? That's a great question. Could you or I do this? Like, if if we had unlimited funds and could do what he does, he goes to the games, would, would, could we do this? Could, could other people do this? I don't know. Wow, that's, uh, that's something to think about. Um, My questions tend to be very provocative. Yes, yes, they do. Well, in the case of Nav Badia, he he's a guy that really, as I said, he was very, he always has been very, very animated at the Raptors games. And he's one of those guys that you know he's at every game. You I want to get him, him on, on the show. You see him on TV. He probably would want to come on the show. Good advertisement. <laughs> uh, but he's a guy that, that I think likes the spotlight. He, he wants to be out there. All right. Uh, I, I'm, I've got to stop you. I'm actually... We've talked about thirty-day challenges, and we've fallen flat on our face with them many times. And it is a, it is a. There's a pin in that that we need to come back to it. The I I want to issue a challenge, Paul. I want you to see if Nav Badia will come on the We Talked About This podcast. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm going to issue you that challenge. Not necessarily to well, I'll, I'll say to get him on would be amazing. Yeah. Could you? Do you think you could? at least try to get him on the show you know what why not let's let you know that's a great challenge let's see why not because he'd be a guy that you could definitely easily get a hold of uh you know by way of his his dealerships um you know if you're to to call up his place of business and sort of make a business case as to why you'd like to so what would we talk to him him? about just like just his his super fanness yeah his experiences all right that uh, okay so all the listeners out there, Paul uh, is agreeing to get Nab Badia, do his best to get Nab Badia on the show. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll take that challenge. How long um, How long do you need? Well, yeah, let's go 30 days. 30 days 30 to days get him? 30 days to, you know, hopefully make contact. And, I, and I'm interested we'll see to if hear he, this. See if he responds back. Um, Next but, episode, I'm going to ask you <laughs> what you've done and you can explain. Yeah. Do you have already in your mind how you might go about doing it? I'm not sure. I'm okay. not sure. All right. But if for those of you out there who, who don't know who we're talking about, the reason why we're making such a big deal about this guy is that, you know, it is quite remarkable in the sense that um, the notoriety that he has obtained within Toronto. Uh, so to give you an idea, you know, he's done many interviews. He's got uh, an Instagram account in which he documents, you know, every single time he's at a Raptors game. But he's also very active in the community. Um, yeah, he's he, a very charitable, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he has a, a Nav Badia super fan foundation. Um, and the it's um, from what I gather, it the purpose is it buys tickets to give to underprivileged, underprivileged, sorry, underprivileged youth. So they have about $300,000 annually in tickets that they provide to, to youth groups. Uh, How much? $300,000 worth of tickets. A in year. A year? Yeah. 
So I don't just for Raptors games. Yeah, just for Raptors games. So I don't know how many actual individual games or tickets that translates to, but three hundred thousand dollars worth—that's quite a lot. Uh, So I would like to imagine there'd be quite a few, uh, quite a few kids that would be able to to take part in that program. That's really cool. So the that is cool. Yeah, the, the mission of this group is to get kids to see live professional basketball yeah, games. Yeah, kids that... Is it just basketball, like Raptors games? I, I believe so, yeah. I, I could huh. do a little bit more research on that, but... Yeah, he, he just he's such a huge fan of the game that he I, just I like wants that to share cause. that. That's really cool. Share that so that all kids across, um, you know, all kids across Toronto, if they're in, um, you know, disadvantaged kids, are able to participate and in, in enjoy the game of basketball. Um, and... Yeah, it just uh, again getting back to my point about his notoriety, he actually received a championship ring back in 2019 when the Raptors won the uh, the NBA yeah. championship. Yeah. Um, so again, like if you look at if you had the money, some charisma, could you could you get a championship ring? Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> All right, we got to <laughs> we got to get this guy on. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, and the last point about him is that he was actually inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. They created a new superfan gallery, that the the Basketball Hall of Fame. In where? Um, the the Hall of Fame, which I believe is in Massachusetts. So the U.S. Basketball yeah, Hall the, of Fame? Yeah, the, the NBA Hall of Fame actually has a new superfan gallery. So that honors, I mentioned before about Spike Lee. And he's getting in there? He's already Yeah, been... he, he was inducted. He was one of the inaugural members. So... Nav Batty from the Raptors, uh, Spike Lee from the New York Knicks, um, Penny Marshall, apparently she was a huge Clippers mm-hmm. fan, Jack Nicholson with the Lakers. Um, yeah, I'm sure most other teams have sort of a, a, a super fan that they can attach to. Uh, but You're yeah, right, Springfield, he, Massachusetts. Springfield, Massachusetts. That's a, I knew it was somewhere in Massachusetts. <clears throat> so yeah, he's a Hall of Fame member. How about Should that? Should he be a Hall of Fame member? Like a basketball well, Hall of Fame member? Should well, there be a category it's, called it's, super fans of the Basketball Hall of Fame? It's I'm super sorry fan to be gallery. Kind of he, he's not, an asshole okay. about it. But. He's not a Hall of Fame member, but he has been recognized by the Basketball Hall of Fame within this sort of gallery because, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like basketball fans tend to be, um, I guess, a little bit more notorious or, or um, more famous than maybe some other uh, Mary Hart. Baseball yeah. fan, yeah. So yeah, Matt every Damon every, or, uh, every sport, no. yeah. Ben Affleck, Ben and Matt Affleck Damon at, at Red the, Sox, the Massachusetts or the yeah. Boston. But basketball Red Sox. is different because you see people at at uh, courtside seats. So yeah, they're on it's TV an intimate, and it's yeah. it's a more intimate setting. So you know, it's it's great that that professional sports are recognizing their their super fans because these fans truly are the most loyal. They're spending the money. Um, definitely spending well, the money yeah and and if it wasn't for fans there would be no professional sports so i think it's a good call for a lot of professional leagues to start to recognize some of their super fans um so yeah nav batty he's a pretty interesting guy um, all right so, so your 30-day challenge is to make contact with him and get a get a yes hopefully a yes okay. from him to come you know, on the I, podcast. I will make contact worst case scenario he says no he's not interested it, what do they say? The worst they can say is no. Worst they can say is no. So we'll get back to you on that. This episode is brought to you by Pace Painting. Pace Painting, serving all your painting needs, whether commercial or residential. Reach Pace Painting at paintwithpace at gmail.com or via their Facebook page, Pace Painting, 
Inc. Or call Peter at 289-356-7744. Paint with Pace. Okay, Paul, you ready for nicknames? We're going to talk about nicknames. I sure am there, sport. All right, champ, we're going to get right into this thing. Um, right, what do you say there, boss? Hey, chief, I'm I'm ready to go. Listen here, slugger, don't use these terms on me. <laughs> All right. There's two there's two components to this. Number one is these sort of well, we're calling them nicknames because I don't think we have a, another name for them. Um these big guy, champ, sport. And then there's on the other side there's there's nicknames that get used by certain cultures. For instance, mate. What others are there? What other cultures use Mate's the one that jumps out at me. I'm actually at a loss. Again, topic number three is going to address this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Are there others? There's got to be others. Oh, nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> Homie? I, I don't know. Like, yeah. But <laughs> man. Or, uh, man. Okay, no, man. That, no that's hey, man. a good one. You're right. Man yeah. is very common in North America. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about, so there's two components to this. There's the the cultural nicknames like mate or hey man or, you know, and then there's the, then there's the these pet names almost nicknames like big guy, sport, champ. Um, which one do we want to tackle first? Well, I guess let's let's talk about the the pet names. Um, big name, guy, names, sport. Yeah, names that you would use when. Uh, I guess where we're going with this is names that you would use exclusively for certain friends or or family members. Um, well, that's one way, to, one direction to go, but it could also yeah. be when you're at a, a stranger might call you big guy. You know, you go to get your breakfast sandwich at the local breakfast place and the guy behind it hands it to you and says, all right, big guy, here's your sandwich. There, there's that, there's that, and there's also people you know using it. So yeah. we, there's a few things to unpack here. Well, and, and it's all, a lot of maybe depends on your persona. Um, if you recall many, many years ago, remember, uh, um, the, the guy who ran the, the French fry truck down at the Rogers Center, he used to AIB, Juan Esposito Juan, Juan, something, Juan something. Esposito or yes. whatever his name was. Hey, ugly or hey, good looking. That's right. You know, but he was a guy that got away with it. It was he just, would yell was his this, signature. He parked outside the, the Rogers Center or Skydome probably at the time. Don Juan's. Don, Don Juan, that's it. Don that's Juan's it. chip truck. And he was just an animated crazy character who, you're right, would yell at people on the street, like calling them ugly or whatever. And he was a hit. Like, people love this guy. But uh, anyway, okay, so there's there's the Don Juan chip truck guy yelling out to people on the street. And, and you know, I think most people are pretty cool with it. But tell me something. How do you feel when... Let's say you were at a sandwich place and you, you went in there and you asked for, you, you ordered your breakfast sandwich and the guy who's finished making it puts it up on the counter and says, there you go, big guy. Is that, does that bother you? Honestly, no, it doesn't. Um, because you, you do encounter that every once in a while where it's, you know, you're at a restaurant or, or yeah, you, you grab him a sandwich and it says, here you go, boss. Or, uh, you know, here you go, guy, or... Thanks, buddy. There's a little and part actually, of me that... I kind of like it. Yeah, like I let's put it this way. I don't not like it. There's a little part of me that does think about it, though, for a sec that says, hmm. And then I'm usually fine with it. But there's just yeah. this half second of, 
do I really want this guy calling me sport, big guy? Like, is he being condescending? Well, yeah, there's a lot of depends that goes in here. Is is Some of it could be just their personality, like an outgoing personality. I don't mind if somebody says, here you go, boss. You know, I think it's kind of cool. But if someone is being condescending about it, like, here you go, tiny, or I don't know, it's... Uh, <laughs> It, 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 there, there's a very fine line, I, I will admit. Um, most of the time, I think it's it's kind of cool, and I, I, I do like it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I could see where there could be opportunities or, or, or scenarios where it does kind of cross the line or where people could potentially be offended by it or, or take it the wrong way. Um, well, what about okay? Now, it, and we've been talked, we've been talked to about this is certain things like like when women get like hey good looking or you know hey beautiful these well, are that, things that's, that that's start venturing into territory of you yeah. know so if you get called big guy yeah we might respond to it in a positive way but yeah if, if it's hey beautiful if, hey good looking then they yeah. start getting into um so if we had a female here we could ask it hey if someone said to you hey good looking does that bother you Hmm. Um, it might depend who's saying it, which yeah. is a whole debate in itself. Like yes, if you're yes. if you're a really good looking man and you say it, versus like an old creepy guy saying it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a bit of a double standard, I think. But yes, yeah. Anyway, we don't have female representation mm. with us, unfortunately, at, the, at this moment. But okay, let's get it back on track. So we've got the big guy, champ, sport. We we're okay generally with when yeah. people call us that. I, I kind of like the nicknames because, again, you know me, I always like to do a little bit of research. So, yeah, it's a sign of intimacy, trust, friendship. So, in, in my case... Sounds um, like you, you researched that and read that from a page. Or did you just say it from your own... Uh, well, that was from research. But I'm, okay. I'm about to say that I think that certainly is the case. And I view it as, as kind of... Um, yeah, I guess a term of endearment with, with friends or, or someone you have a good relationship with. Um, no, in my case, a lot of people call me Polly. Mm. And as a kid, I, did, I hated that. I didn't like it. Does your wife it. call you Polly? No. Didn't she? No, I doesn't, don't think so. Doesn't Jason's wife call you Polly? Uh, yeah, sometimes. Jason was the person we mentioned at the yes. top of the show. Yeah, the, the, the new listener that decided after two and a half years to finally... <laughs> give we talked about this a chance who calls you uh, Polly? a lot of people a lot of people do a lot of guys from the softball team and just friends in general and i like it now i i okay. yeah in your younger years it's interesting how your your opinions or your perceptions change i i kind of like it now i like it when people call me Polly. it's hmm. kind of cool okay. um you know i got a friend that calls me big guy and i again i kind of like it i i i'm okay with that um, I got a, a friend of mine who calls everyone mate and that's yeah. his thing. And he's, he's Welsh. So we, we talked about how, you know, certain cultures like to use uh, terminology mate, obviously very popular in many parts of the world, but yeah. yeah, he's, he's Welsh and he, he says mate all the time. So and do you have to cool. be Welsh or Australian or British to use, to call someone mate? Hmm. I don't know. Because um, I've heard non-British Australian. Yeah, I don't know. If, the, if that's if that's just your we thing. We have another listener who occasionally pops in to listen to our show named yeah. Dan. And he uses mate a lot. Yeah. And I when I first started using mate, I thought, ah, oh, that's not right. That's, you're, you're 
stealing that from it's not really a, you're not allowed to use mate is, is dan going to be offended by the fact that you object to his using the mate? no i'm talking it out like <laughs> yeah. he I, I fully when i speak on this show 95 percent of the time i hope i i don't mind if the person hears it yeah um <laughs> I, I think it's okay if if that's your thing that I'm warmer that, to it now than if, I used to be. Yeah, like if 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 you use it as as a way in which you refer to your closest friends, you know, mate or or Mac or Chief. Would you ever use the word mate to refer to someone? Um, I wouldn't just because I've I've never done it before, so it'd be weird to start yeah. calling people mate. They'd be like, who the you know, they would kind of scratch their heads a bit. But do you think it's you know, more we, professional to use mate versus man? Like, hey man, hey mate, like. Yeah, I, actually, yes, I, I do agree with that. Yeah, mate sounds better than man. Because I use man a lot. Hey, man. Depends and on how casual you are. Like, certainly not never in a business environment. But really? If, if, if I use it well, in a business environment, I'll be, like, breaking all kinds of I think of rules. it's a bit too casual. But if, if you're drinking beers with your buddies at the bar, hey, man, look at that play. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's fine. Okay, so and, you're and, saying I can't use man in a work setting. I would refrain from doing that. Really? Well, yeah. What's going to happen? Like people will... I don't know. I just think it's too casual. Huh. Yeah, a little bit too Being casual. Being the traditionalist that you are. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I love using those names as well. Like, you know, amongst friends, I use champ, boss. Well, maybe not boss, but chief, champ. I like man. Yeah. All right, then you keep using man. But you got me thinking, like, if I use it in the office, are people, like, offended? Well... I don't know. Depends on, on how it's used. I, I just, I would only use that if I was very comfortable with the person. If it's a relaxed setting, you know, if you're going out with your coworkers, drinking some beers, it it, it all depends on, on the setting. Yeah, I'm going to explore this one a little bit because uh, I may have caused serious irreparable harm in the office by the use of the word man. I, I'm a prolific user of the word man in the office. So God only knows what damage I've done. I, I don't think it's career limiting, so I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it there, squirt. Oh, okay, Paul, I wanted to talk. I got on the drive over. I started thinking about this topic. Um, it's men's health. And when people ask about what we what this podcast is about. I do use, I'll, I'll talk about Things that you deal with in everyday life, work, parenting, fatherhood, spouse, like relationships. I do say men's health is part of topics that we we do address here. I don't remember the last time that we did address a men's health topic or anybody's health topic, but I wanted to talk today about a concern I have about myself. And that is a concern relating to my memory. I I want to get it looked into. I want to go to a medical professional and find out if I have a memory problem. Okay, that's a pretty bold statement. So, uh, yeah, explain what you mean by that. Yeah, so... About a, two years ago, maybe, no, maybe longer, maybe three or four now, when I was in Japan, I was experiencing... Um, times when I just couldn't think, remember things like often short-term, very short-term memory type stuff. Like I, or medium term, like something that was said in a meeting and then two days later, 
I would bring it up and somebody would say, don't you remember this was brought up in the meeting? And, you know, at the first I was like, yeah, okay, you don't remember everything. But the longer I spent time with this, the more I started getting a little bit concerned that my memory, um, and I can, I'm talking, it could be as short as in the conversation, like I could be hearing you say something and then I'm, I respond and then I can't remember very specifically what you might've just said to me. So I want to get my memory checked out, um, because I'm concerned about it. So is it just a forgetfulness or absent-mindedness? Um, because it's well, what interesting. Are, I mean, well, what are those things? Like, well, yeah, like what, it sounds what are, like something old people yeah, have. Yeah, it, I guess, depends on, we'd have to take a look at the exact definitions of these. But um, yeah, you're, you're 49 years old. Um, I'm not that many years behind you. Yeah. And, you know, as people in our 40s, um, I will admit that, my memory is probably not as, let's say, as sharp as it was. But I, I do know from time to time that sometimes you do forget some things. So, uh, so for example, like, uh, I don't know, like remembering who an actor was in a movie or, you know, the name of a celebrity is like, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. What's his name again? You know, mm-hmm. that that guy. Um, I, I'll admit that that it occurs a little bit more frequently than it did, let's say five, 10 years ago. I think there's no question that maybe our memories aren't as sharp as they were, let's say when we're in our twenties or even our thirties. Um, but obviously this is something that that's troubling you quite a bit. And, and I guess the fact that you want to have it looked at must mean that, um, you know, have you had instances where you were completely, you know, lack of memory of, of certain events or, or things that went on or, you know, work-related or personal life? Yeah, well, one of the things you notice with older people is when they get called out on their memory, they usually lash out and get angry. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I, don't bother me about that. I, of course I remember that. Uh, the difference between me and them is that I'm actually, I'm willing and able, like if somebody, I've been, I, like I said, it's been mentioned to me before, I'm actually fully prepared and ready to go get myself checked out. Hmm. Okay. You know, and, and that's probably not a bad idea to do that anyway. It's something that we should all probably do because, yeah, we want to have good mental health, especially leading into into our older years. Not Not to indicate that you're getting older but <laughs> well, i am getting everybody's getting well older. yes you are what i mean is that you are you are quite spry for a 49 year old guy you keep yourself in great shape well thank um, you um yes that's a, it's a compliment so take it but there's a good point um, there's physical health and there's mental health absolutely there is for sure so, uh, well one thing i did do was i downloaded an app called elevate i think it is and i subscribe to it i pay a monthly fee it's designed to work your brain, like mm-hmm. math exercises, word exercises. Yeah. And I was doing it like religiously every day for okay. a couple months. And I've since kind of put it down. But mm. I I did it because I was, I felt like I needed to exercise my brain. Yeah. And that's very true. You really do need to exercise your brain because 
Um, yeah, many people will say that if they've been off work or, you know, um, women on maternity leave, you know, sometimes their brain kind of goes a little bit to mush sometimes if they haven't been, you know, truly exercising their, their brain over a period of time. Um, I know that there is, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is like uh, supplements you can buy. Um, so, for example, like anytime I've been to Healthy Planet, um, I, I think there is supplements you can you can buy that um, there are that assist with with brain activity or, or brain health. I yeah, suppose. and the memory is yeah. escaping me now on the names, but uh, there is a mushroom supplement that I was taking for a while. I forget the name of it, uh, but it's it's from mushrooms, and no, it's not a hallucinogenic. But uh, I was taking these these mushrooms. <laughs> that sounds weird, but. Uh, and I think it was actually doing something for me. I can't remember the name of these damn things. But you're right. There are supplements for this. Uh, you know, like ginkgo biloba maybe and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, could be right. But there is a... I'll look up the name of the mushrooms I, I'm talking about. Yeah. But I do think... And this is another topic in of itself. But I do think that a lot of these sorts of things do relate to diet. Like if you eat healthy, yeah, um, I think your brain is operates better, and yeah. obviously sleep is a big factor too. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Yeah, good good diet, proper sleep, proper exercise, um, you know, keeping yourself in 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 good shape, um, making sure that you know you're not obese or have other health issues that may yeah. relate to that. Stress, I'm sure, plays a huge role. Well, that's so. the stress was the one I thought maybe when I was in Japan that that was the reason I was having so many challenges. Bottom line is, I, I want to go get checked out. And I don't know what they do, how they test memory. Do I, are they like flashcards on a table? Or I, what was that game where you would pick up a card and you'd, you'd see the hippo, you put the hippo down, you pick something up, it's a parrot, put the parrot down, and then you, you try to find the other hippo. Concentration, that's what it yeah, was called. Yeah, concentration games, yeah. So I, I do want to get checked out by a medical professional. I'm going to make this a theme. You're going to look up the super fan for the Raptors, and I'm going to go get checked out from my memory. Okay. Yeah, keep us posted on that. I, I'd be very interested to uh, to know how that process works, you know, what kind of tests that they run. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by, by that uh, because, yeah, I'm sure you're not the only one out there that has felt that their memory is not as sharp as it once was. Yeah, I just want to find out, is it really something that the doctor will just say, hey, it's all normal. This yeah. is nothing this unusual. Is something that's Give yourself a break. Cut yourself some slack. You're fine. Well, but yeah, I, and, and you don't want I want be, that ruled out. You don't want to be stressing about this, causing anxiety. You don't... There's enough of that already in, in everyday life. All right, let's finish up with what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're reading, whatever it is we're doing. I, I wanted to share two things. I wanted to share something I'm reading, and that is uh, Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. I don't know if you've ever read any Bill Bryson material before. I have not, no. He's a satirical writer, and he's he's got a few books. Uh, he's got one about his time that he spent living in England, and he writes a satirical book about that experience. He lived in Australia for, for a period of time, and he writes about his experiences. Notes from a Small Island, I think it's called, or maybe that's England. Um, so he's got this book called A Walk in the Woods, and it's basically, it's about his experience walking the Appalachian Trail with a friend of his. Okay. He did this, I think, in the 90s, 
And the Appalachian Trail, it's like a 2,000-mile trail in, in the United States. And it's it's excellent. I love satirical writing. He's got such a good sense of humor. He mixes the story between his experiences on the trail with like commentary about either environmental things like the species of plants that are going extinct or trees and why they're going extinct to commentaries on America. Like, for example, I was just listening to today. I'm, I'm listening to it as an audiobook. He's talking about how America is becoming harder and harder for pedestrians to exist. To, to walk somewhere in the, in the United States is becoming more difficult than it used to be. Like, the car is now the primary mode of, of transportation. So there's a lot of, lot of comments and, and satire and um, stuff he talks about, about American life. And, uh, and I'm really enjoying the, this book. I think it's, I think it's a good, easy read. I think it's four hours if you're listening to it as an audible book. So it's an okay. easy read. So a walk in the woods by Bill Bryson. So a walk, a walk in the woods. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll check it out. I'm assuming you can get that at the library or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. I got it as an aud I have the Audible subscription. So oh, okay. I'm like seven or eight credits behind or ahead, whatever you want to call it, where I was just looking for stuff to download because otherwise you you lose them after nine credits. I don't think you can get more than nine credits. Um the what I'm watching, I just finished watching the Schumacher documentary on Netflix. So it's about Michael Schumacher, F one racer. Uh, race car driver. He he's. Do you know anything about Michael Schumacher? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you know he's in a, a vegetative state. Yeah, he had a bad a crash. ski accident. No, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a skiing accident. Unrelated to his driving. Yeah, which yeah. is weird. He, being a, a race car driver, dangerous profession of all things, he is immobilized by way of his skiing I accident. Know. Yeah. So it's it's pretty good. I think I don't know if you've watched F one, the Drive to Survive series which it was also on Netflix. That was a fantastic series that got me into F1. Now, I've never watched a race since I've watched the series, but I got really interested in the different racers and characters in the F1 industry. And so when I saw the Schumacher documentary come up, I was quite interested to find out more about that. And of course, his story about how he, you know, did get injured in the ski accident. And he's been in this vegetative state, I think, for like six, seven years now. Um it was. I enjoyed it. My wife and I both watched it. Was it sad though? Like yeah, what? yeah. It is. It is. I, I when it finished, I turned to to my wife and I said, "Well, how's that for a pick me upper?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's good. It's interesting just listening to the first, the three quarters of it are all about him and his drive and his competitiveness and and how he was so dominant in the F one space. And then, of course, the last quarter is about his current state. And it was depressing, but I, I enjoyed it. So don't let that turn you off. It, it, it was a good documentary overall. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, I always, uh, always out for getting an idea for good documentaries, especially on Netflix. Okay, so what I am reading. Um, so I'm reading a, a book called The, the Door. And, and to give you a context as to what this book is all about, um, several weeks ago, uh, my wife, my son, and I, we did a tour of the Kingston Penitentiary. So this is uh, a very old and historic uh, maximum security prison located in Kingston, Ontario. And this is kind of Canada's version of Alcatraz in the sense that uh, 
Kingston Penitentiary housed the most notorious of Canadian criminals, like the Clifford Olsons, Paul Bernardos, people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canadians would certainly be familiar with those people. So yes, the most notorious criminals in Canadian history have been housed at um, Kingston Penitentiary. And uh, I guess about five, six, seven years ago, they ended up closing the prison, you know, because of it being very old. It was too expensive to to maintain. So they closed the prison and have opened it up as a tourist attraction. Uh, So you can now take tours of this prison. And as I said, it's sort of like our version of Alcatraz. Um, so the point being is that this book called The Door, this was a book written by one of the prison guards, uh, who one of the, the corrections officers who worked for many years in Kingston, uh, many years obviously at Kingston Penitentiary and, and a few other prisons within the general area. I believe he worked for like 26 years. Um, his name is uh, Vern Thibodeau, is the author. Um, and I'm... I'm I've only just started the book. Like I'm only a, a couple chapters in, but it's very fascinating. Uh, just talking about uh, you know the prison system and, and how scary it is. You know, you and I think about everyday stress, going to work. Yeah. In in this case, you, you take for granted the the danger of of corrections officers. In some ways, it's more dangerous than police officers because you're in a you're in a work environment where people literally want to kill you. Like yeah. you are dealing with the worst people in in the country, yeah. and truly evil people that that want to inflict harm upon you, that that you know uh, beating up or, or injuring or even killing, you know, a prison guard is almost like a, a badge of honor. It's something that that they that they especially if you're in there for life or whatever. Well, yeah, people that have absolutely nothing to lose if you're in there for a life sentence. Um, so yeah, as I said, I've, I'm. I'm very early goings in the book and I, I might want to circle back to this um, because I think it's, I, I know for sure this is going to be a very, very interesting topic. Um, but yeah, it's just a real eye opener and, and prisons have always been pretty interesting things. Um, you know, like <laughs> I love the Shawshank Redemption, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I actually did the prison tour, the, the prison that, where Shawshank Redemption was filmed, which is actually in Ohio. It's the Ohio State Reformatory. Many years ago, we did a, a tour of that one as well, because, again, that's an old prison that has been shut down and has been opened as a tourist attraction where you can you can take tours throughout there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to Alcatraz in San Francisco. Alcatraz is a great tour. Yeah, I've been that's, twice. that's, that's amazing. a cool place to go. If, if that's a must-see for anyone that loves that kind of that is interested in, in prisons or anything to do with that. And, uh, yeah, Alcatraz, that's, that's always a a cool place to check out. I read a book about a prison guard. I'm just searching my Kindle thing right now for it. Oh, this is it. Life in prison, eight hours at a time by a guy named Robert Riley. And I was fascinated by this book. So I can see why you would find this book about Kingston Penitentiary to be mm-hmm. an extremely interesting. Yeah. Just uh, many of the things you just described about what, what he's writing about. It, it's, um, I want to put, I actually do want to put a shout out for a, a another podcast called Ear Hustle, 
which is about life in San Quentin prison. Okay, yeah. You might find that interesting. It's it's produced by a, an inmate from San Quentin in combination with somebody who's on the outside, like a, a civilian. And she helps put together the, the, the episodes. And they interview a lot of inmates and it really gave me a different perspective on, on prison life and people in prison and all the assumptions and judgments we make about people in prison. And, um, so I throw, throw that out there, ear hustle, the podcast. I think they're in their fourth season now, maybe fifth season. Okay. So this is an extremely interesting topic and I highly recommend ear hustle to get some more insights into what it's like to be a prisoner. Yeah. And is this talking about current prison conditions? Yeah. Okay. It's current San Quentin now. Yeah. They talk about they talk to people on death row. Hmm. They talk to people who are transgendered in prison. Yeah, they talk about uh, what it's like to get a new roommate or cellmate. <laughs> yeah, and the whole yeah. mystery of who's going to be your next cellmate. Like it, it's yeah. very interesting. Well, that's the thing that there is such a mystery about prisons, and I'm sure anyone who has ever done a prison tour, you, you walk away learning so much. I've never and, done a modern prison tour. Oh, okay. Well, Kingston Penn is, is pretty modern in the sense that up until, as I said, up until about five, six years ago, it was still a perf- like a functioning operational prison. But did it have that old, old stone section, but then yes. there was also a new yeah. part attached um, to it? Or was it always just no, the old it's, part? It's, it's still, all, all of the, the structures are fairly old. Like you, okay. you can see why they had to shut it down because it's a very, very old building. Like they, they film a lot of TV shows there. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that, between doing tours and, and using it as, as a film location, you know, there's uh, some of these old prisons have, have been quite successful in their, their post-prison life. Um, but, but yeah, the, the fact that Kingston Penitentiary was still operational, you know, within the last couple of years, you can still see a lot of the, the although it's old, um, there is certain aspects of it that are still modern or, or relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, and the thing that, that strikes you is how small the prison cells are. Mm. Um, man, just life inside a maximum security prison, that's that's scary. Like, It's no life to have or want is, to that have. Is a, that is a weird, weird life for sure. All right. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today, and we've got a few takeaways from this episode. You're going to look into our, our friend, our Raptors super fan, and see if you can see whether you can reach out to him, make contact about coming on the show. And I'm going to look into the memory situation and uh, make that my my project to get my memory checked out, and I'll, I'll report back out on that the next time we we chat. So, All right. Just make sure you don't forget about that. <laughs> Sorry, bad already, joke. Already, I had to say it. <laughs> All right, Paul. We're in your house this time. First time recording in your house. Yeah, yeah. As it's getting the, colder out. So. As, you're right. As the fall approaches, it's getting a little bit colder outside. So Thank uh, you for the beer. Yeah, the, you can be guaranteed there'll always be beer served at the Provis household. Today's episode was brought to you by Boreal Blonde Pale Ale. Pure malt from, where's it from? It's, it's a Quebec beer. Quebec beer. Yeah. Did you pick it up and bring it with you? Yeah. yeah. Can you, you can't buy this in the stores, can you? I don't think you can get that on There's in, weird in laws in Ontario and Canada about buying beers from other provinces. Yeah. Yeah, it is a bit weird. Good beer, though. Boreal yeah. Blonde Pale Ale. Yeah. All right. Till next time. All right. Sounds great.